I was told, keep journaling, keep journaling what you're going through. It's not easy, but you gotta keep journaling. It's not only helping yourself, but it helps those that are checking out the podcast and seeing what's going on and keeping track. Because um, it's pretty serious. It's pretty serious. With Erica, what he's doing to get by with work, um, he's had two jobs, companies contacting. He's not responding back. Um, this is what's been going on past two years. Um, he just refuses to work. You know, when he works, he wants the easiest job possible he can get, and that's it. He does DoorDash and Instacart, and um, I was really embarrassed to say because he had a really good job as a uh, deputy, just a corrections officer, we'll say, for a county. And, um, well, he was... Uh, whatever you want to call it, with a female co-worker. I had no knowledge of it. He was working third shift. Um, was I thought it was kind of odd. There was every time, like there was times when there was appointments and stuff he was supposed to attend with me medically. And I had to go by myself. There was times I wasn't feeling good. This was before radiation. It was after. Um, it was during after surgery appointments and that. And I'd have to drive myself because he wouldn't make it back in time. And I thought it was weird because his shift would be over and he wouldn't be back for like an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours. And I was always giving an excuse, well, it's the traffic, well, it was this, it was that. There was so many times, I'm not joking, that my instinct and gut was so strong and I felt almost sick with my instinct and gut. So I just say, you need to drive down there, drive down there. Um, they were able to park in a casino parking lot um, for free. The county had a contract with the casino to, you know, have people see people in uniform, make them feel a little bit safer and keep crime and that under wraps, so to speak. So I always had a gut like I need to drive in this casino parking lot because something's just not making any sense. He was very protective of the cell phone. Um, I do not go through people's cell phones. I'm not somebody's mother or father. And I feel like, you know, if I have to do that, then obviously there's going to be things that I see if I feel that strongly go through it. And maybe it's not good for me to go through my cell phone. There's times I probably should have. I had some people say you definitely should have monitored it, but I did not. Um, when I knew he was cheating on me during radiation and oncology treatments, chemo was because I was being charged excess internet, um, international charges, excuse me, for internet and additional charges because I had so many, you know, uh, so much time, you know, used, given, you know, whatever, you know what I'm saying. And it kept going over. After radiation, I realized that uh, Eric was like, oh, let's just change it of plan with the phone carrier. And I realized, like, no, this is strange because it's not the same charge. It went on for two months. And so I contacted the phone carrier and listen. And they're like, oh, you have international charges. And I said, no, I don't. I said, you got the right line? I said, because I don't call international or anything. I'm like, no, no, there's international charges on blah, 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 blah line. I said, what line? It was Eric's line. And then I was able to maneuver and realize um, at that point he had his cell phone out. And uh, he was working out in the yard. And I literally went through his cell phone and um, how naive to not delete anything and... Um, 
he was going on international dating sites and asking women overseas if they're looking for a husband in the United States. Um, there was a lot of times he'd say he wasn't married. There was other times corresponding where um, he was said he was going through a divorce. We weren't going through anything at that time. Um, this was six years ago. So I was going through recovery still with college treatments. And uh, I think a lot of times through the marriage, I was in denial. I don't think I know. I was in denial. Um, now, it should have been a reality. I realized through my life that, and it's learned behavior of having people tell you, you're not allowed to feel, you shouldn't talk about the past, you shouldn't talk about negative, if talk about anything negative, I don't want to talk. That is so unhealthy. I realized a lot of that pattern behavior is not healthy. You got to feel, folks. You got to go through things. God gave you a heart and emotions for a reason, not to bottle them up. Um... And I learned. It's a learned behavior. I realized through a lot of soul-searching, self-reflecting, I don't need a therapist to tell me. I realized myself, this is hurting myself and this is not the right. And if I'm going to be around people that are going to not want to talk about negative things and, you know, feel like everything should be candy cane and lanes and roses and, and all happiness all the time, you're living a lie. And I don't want to live a lie. So um, I realized I had to learn to feel. And to come to grips in reality and not blow things off. I did many times throughout the marriage. I take accountability on that. On that. I'm an empath. Empaths. Um, you say whatever we've done. If we've done something wrong or hurtful to you, we'll sit down and get a cup of coffee. There's no arguing. But if you want to argue or hang up or whatever, we're not going to come to grips or terms of anything. No matter what kind of relation you're talking about you know, with people. But... Um, then I realized I was so shocked. I was going through three months post-recovery, coming off all this stuff. It was max radiation. I was getting, uh, I think it was documented, six to seven. Seven was the most last two rounds, doses of radiation in a 3D manner around my body in different angles to get this tumor because it was, uh, it was a walking time bomb. So instead of taking months of treatments, we just did a max of... Um, less than a month, we did two and a half weeks and three and a half months of treatment, two and a half weeks. That's the truth, so help me God. So I went through a lot of brutal recovery. It took years. Uh, the radiation did not get rid of the tumor, it did not obliviate it, annihilate it, as everyone was hopeful through oncology and specialists and that, and it didn't work. It started growing back right away. Um, I found out Eric was doing all this stuff. There was times I'd wake up just in days because all this you know, toxicity in your system from treatments, and um, I, I was still went through it. Um, I lived for my fur babies. If I had children, I lived for them too. I had something to live for, and I still do. See, the people who think animals are just animals. To some people like myself, they're your everything. They're your family. They're your pets. They're there unconditionally for me. I've waken up many times surrounded by my pets. And Snorio with his paw on my arm, his head on my lap, and blue by my feet. That's the truth. It's not just pets. They're, they're what I live for. 
But Eric was doing all that. I took a good week, two weeks to confront him. Because um, I was so devastated, I was hurt, but most importantly, I was too sick to feel anything. But what I was feeling, nauseous, vomiting, going through um, the radiation, like literally shut down most of the hormones and things I was making. And it wasn't like a slow, it was like they said a light switch. It was scary, but luckily my body, um, I didn't go through um, some really harsh things that you can when you literally just everything, you know, with what your ovaries and things make, um, that shutdown was temporary. And I knew it was temporary because I was told it was temporary because the tumor grew back. And um, we're talking about an ovary. It was removed surgically. For those who don't know the story, and this thing grew back off of a tiny microscopic cell. And uh, in seven years, grew back and started functioning as its own entity, its own organ. So I went from two cycles to absolutely nothing and now back to two cycles um but this time I have damn good specialists that are hospital specialists that work um say tired tirelessly I don't know if that's a word if it's not I just created it <laughs> they work damn hard they do uh They're helping to keep me going. That's the truth. But um, Eric was going. I, it was strange. He was sending pictures of his penis. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. Dick, whatever you want to say. Sorry, mom. He was sending naked photos. Um, there was some strange things. Um, it was beyond hurtful. There was times I wake up. Um, I had stayed on the couch recovering. I was really sick. I put on a brave face. I still, you know, I did pictures of this is day two, this is day three, whatever. I never wanted to look sick. Now I'm really at the point in my life, I don't care because I'm freaking sick. I'm tired of, of, uh, putting this image on of what I'm not. Um, if I have to with things, I will. There's days I don't want to look sick, but I'm sick. Okay. All right, that's reality. All right, things don't get better, they get worse. That's another reality. I'm not putting on act anymore. Um, in general public, I did a podcast um, about my hair and that. The general public is uncomfortable. And um, I say more so now, I think with COVID and that, as people are more aware, um, if you look sick, it's like, you know, I like to go out in the public, let's just say, and blend in with the public. Um, I like to get my things done. I'm not one to like shopping. I never was, ladies. I just don't. I don't like salons. I don't. I don't. I don't like getting my nails done. I don't find it relaxing. The only thing I ever found relaxing in my life was I went through massage therapy. And that was super relaxing, was getting massages, and it helped me. Um, damn expensive. You know, I'm in a position to do it now. But that was the only thing, really, honestly, I ever enjoyed in my life as far as spa treatments and that. Um, that's the truth. But um, getting back to what Eric was doing this stuff, I wake up. 
come back from treatments and that and uh, wake up and uh, Eric was nowhere to be found. And he had a duty responsibility, as I said, you need to attend and make sure you sleep next door in the same room. So in case she starts vomiting or she needs some assistance because she's going to be feeling really bad. We have maxed into multiple, you know, multiple treatments per session. I didn't realize until, you know, past year of how many doses I had. Um, probably good they didn't tell me because I definitely would have probably been a really nervous wreck before each treatment. Although I lay there and think, why is this taking so long? Why does it feel like it's a stinging burn here? And now I'm feeling a stinging burn here. Uh, that's because I was getting multiple doses of radiation. Each treatment. Um, it's a good thing to tell me. Because it kept me calm. Although sick, but focused. Eric was doing all this stuff. He was cheating on me. Okay. Um, and I did confront him. Um, he got offensive, of course, uh, first in denial, a lie. I've realized Eric's, um, the whole marriage has been a lie. Eric will lie about big things. Eric will lie about what bottle of water he drank. He just lies to lie. I realize that's part of also addiction, but also behavioral. Um, VA crisis had mentioned that. They won't help him until he helps himself. They made that firm. Last year, he kept canceling appointments and just, um, if somebody fell into an appointment, he'll do it just to appease somebody. It's not because he wants help. It's just to whatever anybody wants. Well, as I was told, this behavioral but also is part of being the, uh, someone who's an addict. Well, I was embarrassed for years to talk about any of this stuff. Like, you know, people would be like, my Lord, you know, you stay with somebody's cheating on you. What the hell? You know, practice what you preach, woman. Um... You're right. Oh, you're so right. But I was embarrassed. Um, and I kept everything bottled up. It's the truth. Um, you can't raise children to not be able to express themselves and feel. Um, as a parent or parents, that's okay if you don't want to or that's how you handle life. But we shouldn't instill those kind of uh, values into our children. It's the truth. Allow a child children how many kids you have to feel to go through emotion and uh, when you do you're able to hit hit things head on and address it and go through the emotions and feel and then guess what you can move on if you don't address your problems and how you feel and you bottle that stuff up it is so potent and lethal it's just taking something boiling as I was told in a uh, psychological terms explain it's like taking boiling water and putting it in a container and just keep boiling it and boiling it and boiling it, forcing that lid down. Well, eventually that lid's gonna find a way and that container's gonna explode. And that's what you do internally when you hold things back and you don't allow yourself to feel. We can't raise children that way. We can't, so help me God, we cannot. It's so unhealthy, don't do that. Please don't do that. If a parent, parent, you feel that way and you're living your life like that, that's fine, that's you. But don't raise your kids, don't raise your child, don't raise your children, don't raise your grandchildren. Or raise your foster children. Don't raise your adopted children. Don't raise children like that. Allow them to feel, okay? You're entitled to be how and do whatever you want and how you act. But don't enforce that and pass it on, okay? Because it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy. It's unhealthy for your health. It's unhealthy for your emotional well-being, okay? But Eric was doing that. And when I confronted him, first he lied. And then I had the facts. And I had it all right there. And Eric, I realized, I was told, is he's a 
a visual person. You can talk the talk, but he he has to realize and see things through vision and fact. Um, but still doesn't mean he's going to have any admittance. Um, but he knows he's cornered, and people who are cornered generally will get quiet. He got you know defensive at first. Oh, I didn't. That's a lie. And then when the facts were on the table, literally on the table. His excuse was, well, you're going through treatments and you couldn't have sex. I'm not joking. That was his exact response. And I thought it was absolutely ludicrous as well. I can't have sex or want to have any kind of, I'm sorry, mom, sex. Um, I can't have any emotional, you know, healthy relationship in that aspect because you say I'm going through treatments. Well, there's nobody going through treatments that's going to want to. And if you're married to somebody, oh, Lord, it's not can you. You should have decency to know that. Um, that's a damn cruel thing. That's crazy. But he, he's an excuse. Um, I, I was literally, as I'm now, I think I'm just sorry. I was just going back into that thinking about that I was visualizing how that played out because I remember I was on the couch and uh, told him to come in and sit on the other couch when you talk and uh, yeah he used an excuse and I told him that's hor horrible how would you like me to do that to you but what you were doing is you're looking for another wife but we weren't planning on getting divorced or anything so we'd like to know what's going on and he just played it off. Well, you know, yeah, it was dumb and stuff. But, you know, you're in a situation you're sick and that. Um, you cheated on me. And at that point then, I thought, if he's doing this, this, what's he doing with female co-workers? This was before I found out about a female co-worker. And mom was right up the street in Indiana property. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening, I don't blame you for being upset. As you were, I don't blame your daughter's boyfriend, who I had a conversation with, and it was very civilized between us. He definitely understood me, and I understood him. We both agreed. Um, I don't blame you for being upset, and you're right. Um, as much as yourself, somebody else who needed to control your husband, um, the boyfriend had a few other words to say. Um, I couldn't control him. And there's nobody going to control him. He's no longer my husband. Um, he's someone I really realized I didn't know. He's a stranger. And that's the truth. But um, I don't blame her for being upset. It created an environment for Eric when he worked. That um, they were just finding an exit for him. Let's just say. They didn't want him working down there. Um, there was a couple people who made the statement to him. There was actually a, a physician of his that said to him when he was saying to the physician, and I was in the room at the time and said that, yeah, I feel like, you know, they're always cornering me and stuff. And the physician said, well, it sounds like to me they're trying to find a reason to get rid of you. I'll never forget having a physician, and she literally told Eric that. And I truly believe she saw through Eric. Um, I know she did. I just think because I was sick out of respect, she didn't address it. Um, probably hopeful I'd pick up on the signs, but I was, I was sick. I can't think clearly. 
But that's what Eric was doing. The time that I found out, because a lot of people ask me, how did I know about the female co-worker um, at the jail? He worked as a correction officer. Well, the thing is, I didn't know. I'll go back to what I'm saying is I had a gut feeling. Why is he late, coming back from home late? You know, I need him to let the dogs out. So I'm asked bare minimum. I'd make sure everything else was done, even while I was sick. I went above and beyond a marriage I shouldn't have. I had no business being married to him in the first place, let alone going above and beyond and literally exuding every ounce of energy after treatment. So this guy has it easy. But this guy's a guy, and he's a man, and he should be. And if you're in a real marriage, and you really love someone, and you're really married for being married and not for something somebody has that you want, call it a beneficiary check, and you think you're getting money, or my parents are going to pass away soon, and you're going to make some inheritance, um, you're sadly mistaken. That's the truth. It didn't work. And I found out about her. As we were literally, it was in the morning, had to get a part for something. I don't know what it was. Oh, excuse me. This is going to be loud. Tending to my fur kids as I'm doing podcasts. Just easier. But I was, we were going to Lowe's. I said, I need you to go to Lowe's with me in the morning. I don't know what it was. I think it was something to do with the filter system in the house, I believe it was. I think it was. We don't have a filter. Is it that a furnace filter or something? I don't know. But we're in the parking lot getting ready to leave, and his phone's ringing. And it wasn't just once. It was like three or four times. And I noticed it was coming through the county phone number because... All the phone numbers started with blah, 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 blah number. So I was like, I said, you need to answer that. He's like, no, I'm not answering it. He got really nervous. And I thought, why is he getting nervous? And then I looked at him and I said, no, you need to answer it. He looked at me and I said, you need to answer it. That could be something about overtime. Because he had overtime scheduled that night. Well, he didn't want to answer it, but he answered it. When he answered it, he didn't have a speaker. I heard this young female voice start yelling at him. Um, it sounded like somebody's wife going off on their husband. I was so shocked. I'm thinking, who is this person? And then she started talking. You let so-and-so know about a job that I'm going to end up switching departments. And you let an inmate know. And she told me you said this. And, and Eric, you know, we're best friends and stuff. And you shouldn't say that. And, and you know better. And that hurt my feelings. And it just went really weird. And I thought, who the hell is this person, first of all? And what the hell's going on? I let the conversation go. Because um, I wanted to hear everything. Yeah. She's starting another conversation, the parts of the conversation he hung up on. He hung up on her. I think at that point he knew, well, I'm screwed. She she called back. Now I grabbed the phone in the parking lot. And I said, who is this? She hung up. <laughs> Let's just say she wasn't, I did talk to her. She wasn't expecting me to answer. Um, once again, Eric was telling people, he was going through a divorce, which he was not. Um, I really didn't know any. I was the last person who knew all this was going on. And um, started flirting, according to a couple of deputies, um, 
one was on road with the county, other one is corrections officers attending at the jail. And uh, they both had let me know because I guess things with her, um, people were talking down at the jail and down at the county and um, two individuals contacted me via email and I called them. One was a nurse for, uh, let's just say for the county and another one was a uh, deputy on the road. And they told me, you know, uh, who was really close with her. People thought it was odd. People knew that we thought you were still married and I'm sorry this happened. And, and I had questions like, well, who this, you know, well, eventually I got a hold of her while she was working down at the county because one had flagged me. They'd go ahead and this is the extension number she's working. I think he talked to her. So I left the house after dressing with Eric and I had talked to her. And um, she was brutally honest about everything. I think at that point she knew she was cornered and it was like, you might as well just be honest. But the thing she told me is I thought you guys we're going through a divorce. He said, you guys were no longer married. I said, uh, I don't know about this. And she said, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, Eric started talking to me and he asked for my phone number and he's a really quiet guy. He's really quiet. Oh, he's really sweet. I'm thinking quiet. Hmm. There's a pattern here. I said, oh, okay. And she said, yeah, and he gave you a phone number. And we become like over, you know, over the year, best of friends, we're best friends. He's my best friend. I'm thinking over a year? I felt so stupid. I felt so stupid. Over a year? And then I thought, okay, yeah, that's right. Um, hmm. I've been dealing with medical and other things for over a year. But I also thought I could trust this person, but I honestly realize now there's no trust of somebody you don't know. That's a stranger. It gets married out of convenience for something they want, which is a beneficiary check and hoping that maybe my parents pass away and he'd be entitled to inheritance. That's coming from somebody who heard some things down at the county because according to the men, deputies down at the county, Eric talked all the time during the shift, talked so much that there's things he'd overlook sometimes. And when he'd have his review, there was some things that he was generally a good deputy, but there was also some things where he needs to focus and concentrate while he's working, not talk so much. Um, but to the female who works on the female floor, oh, he's really quiet, really sweet. And sometimes what happened is how she got to know him is because sometimes they would have to have a male deputy um, on a floor, and I don't know how that works. I'm sure officers and them, people who are in law enforcement, you know what I'm saying, when you're down at a jail working, or sometimes you have to um, work with another female worker, deputy, but it's not that often, but it happens. So that's how they met. And um, over a year, she told me how quiet and sweet he was. He was really quiet and bashful. That's called a charmer. Um, I realized Eric's done that to probably every woman he's ever come across. Um, he will change into whatever he needs to, um, through experience, because he's done this many times. And then once he has you hook, line, and sinker, 
he gets what he needs or wants or because it's just using people really and then he moves on to the next supply I call next person that's the truth so I told her I said um, we're not going through divorce and I don't know who you are I don't know why you're calling this number and she was shocked and she said well Eric's you know me and Eric talk about everything Eric talked about everything in our marriage everything everywhere we went um we'd go out of state or like um anywhere he'd tell her everything in fact she'd say he just would have to work with him and stuff on this floor but it's just he you know we talk about everything but in general he's really quiet in it and I said uh okay but um I don't know you and I got in a conversation with Eric before about talking about private personal stuff at work with male co-workers and that work first of all is not a business especially at a jail at night when you're working on a murder floor or whatever and you need to be attentive to people that are locked up um, so nobody pulls any fast ones you should be focused um, when you're working cameras you should be focused on working cameras and not on your phone and she got quiet and uh, she told me everything I needed to know. I was, I was absolutely just, I was shocked. I was, I, I was just, I would just say devastated. And still how I feel about it. It's just absolutely just beside myself on it. Um, she started yelling at him because she said Eric was flirting with female inmates and was getting close to one female inmate on the on the uh, female floor, and uh, she was what twenty, I guess. Not surprising. Eric likes him young, so he just got with me for beneficiary check. That's it. But he likes him young, young. But um, she said, yeah, he was telling the female inmate that I was going to be moving out of the jail into another facility and I told him you can't be telling inmates that you put me in a situation and plus nobody was supposed to know that's something when I was ready to tell people to know and you told everybody but I told her I don't even know who you are and Eric didn't even tell me anything about you and I said she's like well my mom was up the street I'm thinking what It was weird because there'd always be this person that would drive by, couldn't figure out who the heck's driving by beeping when Eric would be outside. I wasn't outside with them. It was her. Well, I asked her questions. I was like, have you been having sex with Eric? Um, he's not been coming home in time. Sometimes he's two hours late. Um, I had a lot of questions. I said, I need these answered. She hung up. Before I asked her, I said, we are not going through divorce. That means Eric's been cheating with you. And Eric told me, you have a boyfriend. So I'm confused. Well, I had the boyfriend's information from a deputy. I called the boyfriend up before I called her back. Boyfriend was highly upset, but he kept his cool. And he said, I didn't even know 
And if you're married, shouldn't you, once again, keep your husband under control? And I said, how can I? I have no idea who your girlfriend is, whether this stuff's going on. But there's been some strange things. Um, he said, no, we had a period of, of being broken up. But that wasn't while this is going on, her messing around with your husband. At that point, all I heard was messing around. I called her up. I called up the deputy that I knew what was going on and it flagged me. I called the floor. He gave her the phone. And I said, if you've not been sleeping with him and doing stuff, I'll know. Because you're going to be hanging up on me. But if you haven't been sleeping with him and stuff, and I think everybody kind of knows what's going on, then uh, there's questions I have for you. And uh, she hung up. I didn't need contact her anymore, but I already knew he was probably doing things in his vehicle after work. Um, I had a strange suspicion anyway. Uh, I've been going on for at least a year, for what she said when she first started talking to him. Um, I am sure the mom had every right to be enraged. The boyfriend was upset. Um, the last I talked to the boyfriend is I confront her about everything and I'm handling it with her. I don't know if we're going to be together or not after this anymore. And I said, well, I'm sorry this happened. And he's like, well, I'm sorry too. He's like, yeah, sorry your husband cheated on you while you're sick. He's like, I'm sure it's not easy. And that was another conversation. I had no reason to talk with him again. Um, and I had definitely no reason to talk to her. After that, it got weird for things with Eric while he was working. Um, I think he was being cornered in any way they could just to get rid of him. Um, too much talking, um, messing around with female coworkers. I'm sure it's not looked upon as a positive light um, on the clock. Once COVID came around, uh, he got sick with COVID, and then I guess I got it, and uh, I got really sick. And uh, ironically, he got really sick. He was sick for three months. Um, we got hit hard with it. He got, went on unpaid leave because at that time when they did the contract before renewing a contract and they made it paid, uh, they were unpaid. So we were going with a lot of money. So he had to get to a point, I'm like, listen, you know, we're going to be in trouble here because you're not getting paid. And then there, they had signed a contract where other workers were getting paid. This was after, though, Eric had to leave on medical leave. Um, that was their exit with Eric as an employee because Eric found out they were paying other employees and not paying him. But there was a contract after the fact. So legally, the EEOC looked into this. Um, they legally had a right to not pay him because they were not contracted at that time. Um, because of COVID, it was a special circumstance, but they did go through the union and all that and at the county, and they ended up approving medical leave paid. But this was after the fact. This was like four weeks in. Um, Eric got argumentative with them. Um, he went off on a, a sergeant, I guess you call him down there. I don't know. But um, let's just say when Eric was ready to come back to work, um, they weren't willing to have him back. That's honestly how it went, folks. And um, Eric resigned. Um, it's either you quit 
and you don't get to have, um, what is that called? When you go on, when you quit work, um, I say work miss comp, unemployment, I'm sorry, unemployment. He wouldn't have been able to draw employment. So it was kind of like a situation like, you know, you quit, we're not giving employment, but we're not bringing you back either. So it was best um, with, you know, it was best that he resign because uh, actually if he quit, he got unemployment. If he resigned, I'm sorry, if he resigned, the unemployment wouldn't be there that he quit. And that was something Eric did not want. Let me rephrase that. I'm just remembering a conversation because it was, it was like a month of him going back and forth with them, with the county. But um, if he quit, he didn't want that on his resume that he had quit in that, especially when he was down at the jail for so long. But um, he ended up resigning, and that way he could have access to, um, I'm thinking of uh, funds in that, not 401k, retirement, I'm sorry. Although he wasn't retired, what he had, he'd be able to have access to. And you don't realize how much that's taxed when you take out your your um, retirement way early. Um, it's like almost half. You lose in taxes, and then you pay all the taxes. You pay back taxes, which is even thousands of dollars more. Uh, so people who thought, like, he hit the lottery, he did not. Um, that's why people who got COVID, they had to take out the retirement early. There's a lot of situations with um, wherever people worked, the businesses and that, that they realized that they literally lost more than easily half of the retirement. You don't end up with a whole lot of money. And when you're having to live off of that, it doesn't last. Um, Eric had a certain amount of time. I was like, listen, you need to go back to work. Eric wouldn't go back to work. And then I started looking for jobs. And Eric still didn't want to go back to work. He wasn't contacting back. I'd set up resumes online. He didn't want to work. Um, he tried to get back in the county and, uh, they said, okay, you need to go to recruiting deputy does recruiting. And they would tell him every time, well, we're just not hiring right now. We're not hiring, but I knew they didn't want him. Um, there's too many things he did down there and messing with the coworker. It didn't go well. Um, going off on the sergeant didn't go well. Um, Eric didn't handle that situation well at all, but I know different because um, there was email alerts on his and mine so I could make sure he's looking for a job and that county was hiring. They just were hiring him. And uh, the therapist I was seeing at that time was like, they just wanted him out of there. Even a physician said, sounds like trying to get rid of you. She was on it too. So he never got the job back. Um, there was a prison in Ohio that was willing to hire him. And it, was be, it would have been making more than what he was making. Um, there was also out in Nevada, outside Las Vegas, there was prisons in that. We're in the process of moving out there. That was true. We were in the process of moving and looking at a property in that out in Nevada. Eric never followed through with anything. I gave up. It became arguments. He just didn't want to work. Some people say, is Eric lazy? Yes. That's not opinion. You just have to look at somebody's actions. It doesn't want to work. It got to the point where the guy's jobs still, like I said, there's two alerts um, of jobs, a normal job, full-time job, paying you some money, and he's not finished applications. He doesn't call back. He doesn't respond back. 
I literally get to the point where I gotta find something because you're not you're not working. I can't do this. You know, can't do this. Um, I got him a job with Instacart and DoorDash and I don't know what other app, whatever at that point, just to get money in. It's humiliating embarrassing. But this is Erica for realize this isn't me. Why am I embarrassed for him? I'm not embarrassed anymore, folks. I'm not. This is his decisions, not mine. It's not a reflection of me. It's his decisions, not mine. It's his behavior, not mine. That's the truth. But um, that's how he's getting tip money to feed into um, overconsumption, let's just say, of things that aren't good for you and they're not meant to be consumed three or four a day, five a day, and every day for long periods of time, years. It's not. He gets tip money. I can't tell you how much tip money he's probably has made. Um, I have seen probably less than $100 in two years. He's been, well, almost two years he's been doing this. Um, and honestly, if you think about two years, that addiction has now gotten a lot worse to where you're having collisions. And he has a capability. He has an immediate family member telling him as well, you need to get a job. You need a normal job. Um, he's not listening to them either. Um, they've pretty much given up. Um, I've asked an immediate family member, listen, can he move in with you? Because I'm at the point where he's not going to be able living or even um, coming into any property with me. Because i got to focus on my health and I'm not dealing with this craziness. Um, this is the response. This is the truth. Absolutely not. Oh, absolutely not. They are never to move in here. They will never move in here again. They are never. They don't even, I don't even want them at the property. Absolutely not. I am not having that craziness over here. He is not moving in. If he comes to this property, he will be met with an officer. This isn't just once I asked. This is three times I've asked. But I told him, but it's okay for me to have to deal with it? He's not my immediate family member. And we're going through a divorce. That's why I started the process. He's not being responsible at all. There's behavioral issues. And now there's obviously addiction issues. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. See, I realized that the person would get into, like, just fly off the deep end. Like, in a normal conversation, just start yelling. I realize now with addiction caseworker that it's not you. It's just this immediate family member has been dealing with Eric a lot longer than you. And it's setting them off of just knowing that he's not changed. And all they wanted is they told you is him to change and grow up, get a job, start working, start paying your bills. They're just as frustrated as you. But see, the thing is, is, is they're taking it out on you. So don't take it personally. No, it's not right. You need to exit conversation, hang up. Luckily, when they start yelling at you, they realize, and when you say, why are you yelling at me? They hang up. Because I was told through addiction centers, because they know what they're saying is not okay. And they're yelling at somebody for no reason, good reason, except for they're infuriated with Eric just as much as you are, but more because this is someone they've been dealing with for a lot longer than you. Probably decades. So don't take it personally. So I don't. He's still, but I don't. 
But see, that's the thing is he doesn't want to work. Um, he's got an easy job. Um, text message. This is a text message I got. Um, Mike Addiction Center asked him to do things. Um, he refused to do them. Get a redemption moment. Refused to do it. Um, and then I told him, I said, listen, you need to at least bring in, I mean, a minimum $100 a day to cover responsibilities and bills. You know, you agreed upon all this stuff. You signed it going through a divorce process. There's things legally that you are held, you need to do. He just won't. He doesn't. Um, it's like a child throwing a tantrum fit. Doesn't do it. You don't even have to say anything to him. Today was an example. This is an example. This is what you're saying is the truth. I'm not embarrassed anymore because this is not me. This is him. But I'm not going to let somebody sink me. I'm still swimming. See? He stops working at 1 p.m. When you're doing these jobs and people who work for DoorDash or Instacart or whatever is other, Spark, I think it's Walmart and there's other Lyft or something. I don't know. When I was looking for jobs, there's a ton of them. But uh, you make your own hours, see? So you're an independent contractor. So you make your own hours. Well, he lets you know that. I make my own hours. I do my own thing. Okay, that's great. But you need to also be responsible for the bills. You know, I'm on disability. I'm not Rockefeller. And I'm at the point now with my anxiety from all this. Um, but also, number one is my treatments to get me balanced out with Addison's and that. You know, that takes mental for me to sit and do these projects and I can't do it. So I have to literally, as told, you need to physically give yourself a break. Because we're trying to get balanced on things. I was gaining weight with the treatments. And now I've lost 7 pounds with the treatments. Because we've had an increase with the steroids and injections and all that. And the side effect is it makes you nauseous. Um, with pain management now, a lot of the stuff you cannot mix with narcotics and that. So you go through anti-inflammatories and other ways and means to control the pain. Um, that's why I read about Ann Hack. About... Her being on a fentanyl patch, I just sh just shivered to even read that. And then doing cocaine. <sighs> yeah. She needed help. She needed to help herself first. Um, she probably wouldn't have almost killed a poor lady and her beloved pets. Um, instead, she ended up, as we know, killing herself. Going into a vegetarian state now. If anything positive come out of it is organs that can be used will be donated to help save lives and to help other people live their best life. I'll leave it at that. But um, Eric today stops working 1 p.m. And the thing is, he thinks I don't know. But the problem is, is with those apps, um, everything's changed so much to where, and I have to have access for tax reasons and that. I literally screenshot and sent it to him, and I'm putting it on here because it's the truth. He worked one job out of two apps he has. He had capability on a weekend to make a lot of money, and he stopped working at 1 p.m. What was he doing after that? Well, I asked him at the property in Indiana, listen, things need to be weeded and tend to out in the yard. Last time, you let everything go. You waited till I will finally... Um, you know, start looking around the property, you notice all this stuff. Then all of a sudden, you're like, yeah, it looks bad. I'm sorry. 
And I said, don't let it happen again, please. You know, you have to keep up on the property. This isn't a rental. And if you had a rental, you would have too. have to keep up with it. But when you go to sell the property, you know, you can't not take care of it. It's just the way it is. I don't know what he did today. I'm sure neighbors could tell me what he did today. If he did much, probably sleep in his car. Um, he's no longer allowed anymore in the evening. He's no longer to stay here at the property anymore. I don't want that around me, period. Um, if somebody said if he changed, would things be different? Um, he's got years and years to change. And uh, I'm not wasting years and years of my life anymore. Waiting on someone to change it. Should have changed a long time ago. So, hopefully that answers your questions. I'm, uh, I'm sure you respect that. But, um... He stopped working. So he made, I don't know, I think it's a screenshot, like 70 something dollars. You have access to make at least a couple hundred, if not more. And um, I know people who have grandchildren and even people where they have kids that are in college and they work doing delivery in these apps and they make a lot of money, but they work. Eric just barely gets by just to show, oh, yeah, I work today. But it's not paying the bills. So it's like, where do you go from here? You always have to be one step ahead, I've realized. And especially in a situation like this, I'm fortunate to work for a company where when the big problems were arising with you know, clients and that, the turnaround would like to be 24 hours to resolve an issue that was serious regarding a client. I'm working for a large corporation and I did just that. So I thrive under pressure. I'm fortunate to be able to do that. I've also been through a lot in my life and it's built a great strength. I'm fortunate for the hard times because I've learned a lot and I've learned to be as resilient as possible and to keep moving. You know, I'm a fighter. Not by born, I realize, but by experience and what I've gone through my life. So at this point, um, Because Eric's not working, he's not really attending to the house um, today. I sleep intermittent sleep. Um, I'm getting better at my sleep because I'm not having him around. But he's not doing really anything. Um, I'm really basically doing everything inside the house. Um, at this point, it's probably happened this next week. I'm going to sit down with Tony and um, I'll probably get to the point where... Um, Eric will be taking the dogs out to go to the bathroom because you know, Snorri's over 100 pounds. If he sees something outside, he could pull me and it could be a problem. Um, that's the truth. Uh, inside, small, just temporary fencing, but that's for playing in case and I knew when things would happen. He's no longer on property. It allows me to be able to at least let him play in the front. Um, but I'm not going to really be able to walk them because once again, that's a lot of weight. I won't be able to do it. Um, Hay's getting to the point where, um, you know, he's no longer going to have access to the house. And uh, he already agreed with, because of the situation with LexisNexis and his reckless driving and that is affecting me insurance company is going to give another chance attorney wants to, to see they need to resolve it with LexisNexis since this was an issue on their end um, but right now 
um, I'm kind of stuck in limbo. So I told him until things get resolved, you put me in a situation, this is of your negligence and doing. So, and um, everything's in your name. You know? But I thought that you were actually a spouse, you were a husband, and that you could actually be the man of the household, but you failed me. You failed the household. So he agreed, one vehicle will be mine and the house will be mine um, until things get resolved, Lexus Nexus. If not, um, he's going to have to uh, do something uh, it'll be handled in, definitely in front of a judge. But I'm at the point now where um, I say I'm going to be, at one point I may sink quickly while I'm swimming. Uh, attorney said I want to see you continue swimming. Um, but if you start feeling yourself sink, you know, you need to address that and ask for help. So, um, and figure out what I can do on my own as well first. That's important. Um, once again, the word pride, but that will mean Eric will have no longer access to the house at all. Um, possibly stop by, let the dogs out, um, possibly walk them since the video, live video and that being there and just taking right down the street is, uh, is about as close as I am comfortable allowing with him with them. Um, play in the front yard, but he'll no longer be able to be at the property or anything and um, The dogs and I will be handed off as I was told probably be handed off at the front door And I just probably at this point because we're getting there So I've been prepared for this as I'm not to even walk past the front door um, That's where we're at and then financially I'm gonna have to see on um, What the house and everything will be to me uh, vehicle will be to me and um, because I can't rely on Eric to pay for anything. But this is a screenshot of someone that just doesn't care. And uh, I can get stressed out and upset all I want, but I realized over years, it doesn't, past two years, it doesn't matter. Over the years, it doesn't matter. I'm not wasting my energy anymore, get upset on somebody. Um, I'm not G-O-D and I'm not anybody's parents either. And uh, you can't change people. People are going to be people. And uh, should this be a surprise of anyone? No. He's probably working enough, as I was told through Addiction Center, he's probably working enough to get tip money to buy and overuse and excess of energy stuff and whatever else he may. He could be, as I was told, he could be buying drugs somewhere. I mean, it's crazy to think that, but anything's possible. Um, he could be doing more than just using energy drinks for high and all this dream water and everything else for low. I don't know. The thing is, is they asked, are you within 24 hours when he's doing this job? I said, no. So how do you know? I don't. How much chip money is he making? I don't know. Sometimes we'll help, I think, is when he was high and he was having a really good day and all of a sudden it's like, oh, here, here, here's $10, here's $20 I made for tip money. Here, I'll put it here on the counter. Use it for spills. That was only like five times in two years. So imagine all the tip money. That was money that should have been paid towards the bills. And any of his immediate family that's listening to his podcast right now, this is your family member doing this. 
Do you understand now? Don't blame me for something that's not of my... Don't blame people. It's easy to point the finger at everybody else to be upset at your immediate family member, but this is not me, okay? You need to direct that energy and being upset and disappointed to the right person. That's Eric, not me. Please no longer do that. So, um, next step, you know, it's like a chessboard figuring out each move. You know, that's where I'm at. Insurance company stuff is going to have to be. Insurance company, talk to divorce attorneys and give them last hurrah uh, and see where I'm at there. But um, I can't rely on somebody that you can't rely on that's not willing to work and barely going by and with bills that are due this month and he's just not doing it. Um, he'll have to be removed, period. And uh, I'm going to have to, in the situation, retain full responsibility for majority. Um, I've been through worse with my health. I always remember what I went through with oncology. Um, with the grace of the good Lord and your guardians and that, you'll get by. It's tough. I know other people struggle and they're struggling right now alongside me and going through probably, I mean, everybody goes through things. They're very mirrored similar. And I know other people out there and probably people listening right now going, I'm exactly in your shoes. Well, don't let somebody sink you. All I got to say is by experience, you keep swimming. Keep swimming. And don't stop.